0: You're listening to episode 79
1: cha-ching, cha-ching.
0: of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M.
1: And I'm Christina M.
0: All right. Well, today we are going to be talking on Christmas Eve about relationships and money.
1: Why not, right? Merry oh, yeah. Christmas to everybody. Yeah,
0: well, our wallets <laughs> are empty. Yes. Christmas is tomorrow. Why not talk about it all, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, we usually talk about it after when we get our bills in January, Mm -hmm. but why not now?
0: Yes. And whether we realize it or not, uh, we all have a relationship with money. We all have relationships with one another. We're not talking necessarily about the relationships that we have with our kids, But there is such a thing as having a relationship with money, isn't there?
1: Right. And if you think about it, some have a wonderful, healthy, and bountiful relationship with money because it just overflows from their pockets and from their bank accounts. And then others may feel drained, owned, or even overwhelmed by money because they are living in debt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So every person has a unique way of thinking about and dealing with money. And this is actually called a money personality.
0: Okay, so full confession here. When you were talking about wonderful, healthy, and bountiful, all I could think about was the sound of music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With the sound of music. With
0: like a gif of a pig ah! flying. <laughs> a piggy bank <laughs> pig flying. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, that guy. Had a money personality and he looked like he had quite a bit of it. So, yeah, yeah right?
0: It's true. Well, I don't know. I fell asleep during the movie. So. <laughs> Twice.
1: <laughs> okay. He so, never made it through, guy. Never well, made on. it through.
0: When it's two VHS tapes and you have to change the tape in the middle, no thank you.
1: That's called. Retro.
0: <laughs> All right. So going back to the money personalities, not everyone has the same one. And that's the real neat thing about this concept in that sometimes we think a lot of things are linear. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, uh, pillows, right? Not every pillow is the same. And the older you get and the more back problems you have, you realize just how many different types and styles and all that of pillows there are.
1: My two hands are (laughs) up right now because we had those car accidents, right? And so both my Cairo and my physiotherapist gave me pillows. And one looks like um, some big caveat or something in the middle.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Crevice, not (laughs) caveat. Crevice in the middle. And then the other one is you can actually fill with water.
0: Yeah. So it's kinda of like that, right? Even as a kid you think, Oh, money is money, but when we look at our kids, they all have a different perspective. And really I love the I love the language here, personality regarding money. So we see it in our children. Some like to save money like it's going out of style right like <laughs> and it's just like refuses to exactly so hard to spend money like has
1: anxiety about spending like a quarter mm-hmm. where we have other children who it's like if you give them a quarter it's burning in their pocket yeah like they have to spend that quarter it's not like oh maybe I'll save all these quarters so I can you know get a big toy no 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 let's go to the dollar store and try to see you know what I can get with this quarter
0: exactly exactly and really we see this with our children and you you probably are beginning to think about the different ways that your kids and maybe your spouse and others in your life spend money and approach money and deal with money. So it it may seem obvious, right? Um, However, this is really a good reminder because most of us may assume that our spouses think about money in the same way that we do. And if they don't, they're wrong, right? I mean, we often think that if you're not thinking the way that I'm thinking, you're the wrong one. That's right. But there really are different personalities. There are five money personalities.
1: It's a good time to pause right here and make sure that we say and underline and go over this again, but there's no right or wrong money personality. There are five different types and you may have ones that seem complete opposites than your spouses and you might feel overwhelmed or like, how are we supposed to come to common ground? Or I wish he would be more like me or vice versa. And that's not the goal. The goal is not to have a spouse that looks exactly like you and the goal is not to change your money personality to fit theirs or vice versa. The goal in finding out your and your spouse's money personality is to help understand yourself first mm-hmm. and then also the way that you think and approach money as well as your spouse.
0: Yeah, this is so important in a marriage. It's great for parenting. Obviously, it's great as you're thinking about this. Hey, what personalities do my kids have and, and how can you think about this regarding raising them up and teaching them about money all of that is great and I and I really do hope that you apply this episode in that way as well but here's the thing Money is such a source of tension and conflict in marriages.
1: Yep, still one of the top five reasons, right, for
0: divorce. Yes, yes. So for you to first and foremost understand what your money personality is and then for your spouse to do so as well. So just really quickly, I know we're starting, we're, we're, we're going into the new year and, and maybe you're listening to this in the new year and, and maybe one of the resolutions you can make this upcoming year is to nail this down to have a conversation with your spouse about that and maybe it requires also you sharing this podcast with them and being like hey let's listen to this together and let's go out on a date and talk about our money personalities and let's wrestle this down and yeah so we really do hope that you share this episode with your spouse and that you could get going on this and and discover one another's money personalities. so on that note christina how do we find out about our money personalities
1: So like I said at the top of the podcast, there are five different money personalities that we are going to go through. So the first thing is that you're going to have a primary one. So we're going to read the five different money personalities and have an explanation to it. So as you're listening, think like, oh, this is the one that jumps out at me the most, or I'm pretty sure this is me because what you're saying kind of strikes a chord in my heart. And then you're going to look for a secondary money personality, and it may be less obvious, but usually it often shows up when you're feeling stressed about money. So if you're not really sure, picture of a time where you felt really anxious about money or having a conversation with your spouse about money, and then look upon the five money personalities in that lens.
0: So we've been aware of this concept and these five money personalities for several years now. We actually stumbled across it and and talked about it at our church in in our group when we used to live here in Edmonton. The first time we lived here in Edmonton. So, Christina, just before we get into the first one, which is saver, can you just tell our audience uh, if they want to do some further homework and, and further studying on this, where they can learn a little bit more and where we're getting this information from?
1: Sure, we're getting it from a book entitled "The Five Money Personalities." And we'll include that in our show notes, which is at inbetween.org slash episode 79.
0: Perfect, perfect. All right, so let's start with the first one, which is savor.
1: All right, so if this is you... You usually get a rush from saving money. It's a source of pride to get something that you wanted, but for less. And these are the type of people where you're going out and you may strike up a conversation at Costco and be like, oh, hey, did you know I got that last week for like $10 cheaper? Or you're, you know, talking to your friends and be like, by the way, I just found this greatest gadget, but I got it for $800 less. And those are the kind of things that get you excited.
0: Hmm, hmm, That's interesting.
1: So if you're a saver, you are probably pretty organized, responsible, and trustworthy when it comes to finances. So for example, a saver won't use a kid's college fund to go on a trip, or probably even won't spend like $20 to get thrown into the office hockey pool.
0: Okay. Because
1: that's $20. (laughs) You know what you can do with $20? You can save it.
0: (laughs) I, I was immediately going to go to, what can I spend for $20? So this is great. It's some of these things I'm like, oh, yeah, is this my secondary personality? It's definitely not my primary personality. So keep on going, Christina.
1: All right. And so if you are a saver, you are rarely spending impulsively. So you'll always be looking for the best deal and make sure that you have enough money beforehand to make the purchase. So, you know, living off the credit card is probably not your number one priority. hmm So, so far, it seems like there's really good qualities of a saver, right?
0: Yes, there definitely are a lot of good qualities about savers. But as we'll see with all of these five money personalities, there's a shadow side. There's a shadow side where... You can be pigeonholed or misinterpreted or misunderstood because people are seeing you from the negative side of that. So it's great. Yeah, it's great. Your kids are probably going to be well taken care of. You'll have a college fund. You'll have a nice retirement. Yet in the meantime, you might actually be seen as a joy stealer
1: oh what do you (laughs) mean
0: so if you're if you're a saver and and your spouse isn't then your resistance to spending money because that's what it's going to feel like if your spouse is not a saver they're going to feel like you're just uh, you're just always saying no and you want to suck the joy out of everything you want to suck the fun out of everything and and you don't want to go to concerts and and even if you do go see a hockey game or go to a sporting event you're bringing your own food because you don't want (laughs) to spend you know it's the justice part of no way am i going to spend five Dollars on water, and you're going to sneak that in, maybe. And maybe you're you might even be resistant to going on vacation as well because of that, right? So, there's that side that you really do need to be aware of. There are positives and negatives. You can actually also, simply put, be seen as cheap,
1: yeah, the penny pincher, yeah,
0: definitely, right? Because a saver has a hard time parting with their money, so much so that, yes, there's the cheap side of it, but some people actually might think that you're selfish. Yeah, I
1: can see the shadow side of that, Mm, definitely. mm. And that could be definitely hard to overcome if your first response to spending money is no.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: So, but being a saver, don't worry, savers, we're not going to end on a negative note. (laughs) So being a saver can be great. And being married to a saver can be awesome as well because they are careful about spending money and they are usually spending it wisely or saving it wisely as well. So the challenge that we want to put out for those with the saver money personality is for them to see. So if you are identifying with this personality, your challenge is to see money as a means to an end and not the end itself. So everybody is going to die one day. And does it really matter how many zeros you have on your bank statement? Mm. So something to think about.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: All right. Let's go on to the second money personality, which is spender.
0: Yes. So spenders like to make it rain. <laughs> they don't care how much they spend or who they spend it on. They're, and I mean, here's the thing. their Spenders aren't necessarily rich. Because they might actually be spending borrowed money or someone else's money. That the thing is, they they just really enjoy spending money. So it might be that they're going to the dollar store or the Target dollar spot. That's a dangerous (laughs) place. The fact is, spenders just love the act of spending. What that means is they're often living in the moment. So spenders are focusing on what's happening right now, and and they're really willing to spend money to be joy givers or joy creators rather than joy stealers. So that. So they love the whole idea of fun and, and money is one of those things that can bring about that end in a spender's mind. So they may have less money down the road, uh, but for the spender, it's all about memories. It's all about experiences and creating those today. Now, lest you think that spenders are all selfish and they just like to spend things on themselves, really, the spender just loves to spend. So that means that they can actually also love to buy things for other people. They they can get a lot of joy and satisfaction from giving gifts, from helping out and from treating other people. So does it sound great? I mean, shouldn't everyone be a spender?
1: Right. I mean, I have benefited <laughs> from people who <laughs> yes. are spenders yes, who want so. to bring joy in my life and spend money on me. Yeah. We also have a child who's a spender, and we can quickly see that though she loves spending money on other people and herself and and bringing joy to situations in that light, there's also some shadow sides. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for those who are thinking that they're spenders, be aware that you can be seen as impractical. So, spenders often buy things on an impulse and won't wait for a good sale or won't do their research, won't look at flyers or, you know, sales on the internet or anything like that. So, it's really hard for a spender to differentiate between wants and needs. Yeah,
0: because, because they're in the moment and, exactly. and they want to kind of bring joy to others and have that experience. So, yeah, that's, that, that, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Mm-hmm. So, if you're a spender, you can also be seen as someone who's not a team player. Hmm. So, all the impulse buying means that you're probably not thinking a lot about it. That also can translate to the fact that you're not talking about all this spending with your spouse.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Because you're be not thinking real, about so, yeah, it. Yeah, I can be If a real, you're not
1: even thinking about it, how are you going to talk about it?
0: Yes. You're not. Yes, which can lead to a lot of conflict. <laughs>
1: exactly. So this lack of communication can come across as being secretive or sneaky or even selfish, even though that might be exactly opposite to what a spender wants to do or come across as. Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's a really good point. So if you're a spender or if you're married to a spender, spenders can be great partners uh, because they're never going to let finances get in the way of living life to its fullest. The challenge, though, for the spender is to respect how other people see money and to respect the money expectations of your spouse, especially especially if your spouse is a saver.
1: Right. I can see how they may butt heads that way.
0: Yes. Yes. So that's saver, that's spender. And now the third money personality is risk taker.
1: Right. So for those who are risk takers, the thrill of jumping into a financial investment is what you're after. So it's not necessarily the outcome, which obviously is important too. You want to, you know, not lose money, but the risk takers never give up on following the rush they get from trying out a new idea, even if it's going to cost them everything. So risk takers are big picture people. They aren't worried about the details, necessarily the numbers or what's in the red or what's in the black. Mm. They just get a hunch about something, some sort of like, you know, sixth sense about something like a business opportunity or an investment or a real estate deal. And they pounce on it fast. They just yeah. go for it.
0: Okay. Okay. So they're, it's, it's that gut that they're listening to. right? Exactly. That, that,
1: Exactly. So they listen to their gut and they're also not afraid to make decisions. So they don't necessarily consult conventional wisdom or financial experts. If it doesn't feel right, they're not going to do it. And Mm -hmm. if it feels right, they're just going to run after it.
0: Yeah. Okay. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Available wherever books are sold. Okay. So on the flip side then, I guess risk takers can maybe be seen as impatient.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that, right? So because I guess in some ways, they feel like time is always running out. Mm -hmm, So you mm -hmm. have to make this decision now or else it's too late. Somebody else is going to take it.
0: Yes, there's that patient side. And yeah, so I can see that. And there's definitely that sense of maybe even losing patience if other people, your spouse if they're not on board with the big ideas. And so so in a sense, a, a risk taker can really make big decisions. And here's where the conflict can come without consulting your spouse, especially if your spouse might be a bit slower or, or might be a saver, right? I, I could see maybe how a risk taker and a spender together might end up living in a cardboard box one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or be living in luxury, exactly. right? Who knows, because you've yes. you've taken those big risks and they've paid off, yeah. and then you're spending it because you're enjoying it.
0: This is true, this is true. Except also, the risk taker and the saver, then that actually might be a, a, a hard relationship to navigate because of the impulsiveness that the risk taker is gonna be seen to have, and maybe even the sense of, oh, do you even care about my opinion? And all that that the saver might have in regards to that. So those big decisions, the fact that the risk taker is going to make a lot of those, some of those big decisions without consulting their spouse can really affect that trust, uh, that relationship. And ultimately, the risk takers can be seen on the negative side as insensitive. Right. Because risk takers, they they hate being held back by people who are doubting their decisions. So instead of working it out, they just kind of charge ahead and deal with the relational consequences later.
1: Right. So I think and I hope that you're able to see already with the dynamics of the different money personalities. So if you're only seeing the negative in your spouse and you're only seeing the ways that they're mistreating you or making decisions too fast or too slowly or too aggressively or too passively, then of course the dynamic in the marriage is going to be really tough. Mm -hmm. However, if you're understanding perhaps why your spouse is approaching money in this certain way and why you're hesitant or why you want them to move faster, then this is a great point of communication to be able to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, so to speak.
0: Definitely. So when you think about it, a risk taker can be a great spouse in summary because as a risk taker, you're always thinking of the future, The challenge, though, is for the risk taker to keep your spouse involved, right? You got to keep your spouse involved in those risk taking decisions that you are working through and you need to be willing to say no to a deal for the sake of your relationship too.
1: Which I could see would be really difficult if you don't understand your own personality too, right? Like, why do I feel so driven to say yes to this? Mm. And why is it so hard for me to just stop and wait, think about it and talk to my spouse about?
0: Yes. So there you go. Saver, spender, risk taker. And the fourth one now is a security seeker. So security seekers really like to know, they want to know that the future is settled, that it's safe. So they love planning, consistency, having those clear expectations. And when it comes to money, they, you know, the the saying is, you know, the safer, the better. That's kind of the motto that they're running off of. So, security seekers, as a result, are willing to sacrifice. A security seeker would rather do without today than do without tomorrow. I love that. I mean, they're, they're, so when you think about it, they're not going to spend money until they know that they've got enough to pay the bills, not just the bills but contribute to your RSPs or your 401ks and the RESPs or your kids' savings college tuition, all of that. They want to know that all of that is taking care of for the future before they're going to be willing to spend money on themselves. As a result, the positive is that the security seeker uh, is likely going to be prepared for the future. They're always going to have a plan. They're rarely, they're rarely going to end up in a financial crisis because they're diversified they're prepared for it they're well balanced in their portfolio because um yeah i mean they'll likely even sacrifice high interest because they want guaranteed right they want that guaranteed return and their family as a result and here's a wider implication around that the family can really just rest a little bit easier and and the spouse can rest as well because they know that their spouse has taken care of all the details
1: So if you're listening, you might be like, hmm, doesn't that sound pretty much like the saver? Like, what's the difference? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So like we said, the saver gets a rush from saving money, but the security seeker isn't just trying to save money. They're trying to have a plan to make sure that everyone is safe and everybody is secure. Mm, So the reason behind the motivation behind not spending money or, you know, saving money, so to speak, is different.
0: Yeah, that really is a huge difference because it's one thing to save and put money aside and, and just because you want to make sure, kind of like a, a squirrel would gather their chestnuts and they're just kind of hoarding, uh, not necessarily in the negative way, but they're kind of putting it away. Whereas the security seeker is going to think, hey, it's not just about putting that money away, but it's about investing and moving things toward the future. And they're going to think maybe a little bit more futuristic than the saver might.
1: Right. So, if you are a security seeker, you just want to be aware that you can be seen as being overly negative. Security seekers tend to get nervous about risk, mm-hmm. which means they often will say no to different ideas or different opportunities that come. It's like they say no first and then think about it and then might have to be like, "Oh, wait. Uh, maybe this is a good idea because we can be more secure in this," but the initial response is always no they can be seen as or even become controlling using their power or their veto power or their voice to keep their spouse from trying different things or even, unfortunately, exploring their own dreams.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting.
1: So along with that, security seekers need to be aware that they can stifle creativity. And that doesn't mean just for their own children or for those around them it actually over time means that they're probably stifling their own creativity. So that need for security can become so consuming and so in the forefront of their brains that they stop looking at possibilities or opportunities. So in the end, their need for control actually ends up controlling them.
0: Oh, drop the mic.
1: (laughs) sad when you think about it that way, right? It's like it's coming from a good place. Mm. But in anything, when fear is the first thing that influences why you're making decisions, unless it's, you know, the fight or flight or whatnot, you're trying to protect yourself. In the end, this can be really negative situations or negative decisions.
0: Oh, that's a really good point. So for the security seeker in the end, you can really be a great spouse. You can be a great spouse because your careful planning and your approach to money can help your family weather disasters and avoid them. The challenge though is just remember that uh, you often resist making decisions out of fear and, and you just need to know how much is enough, right? How much financial security is enough and when to kind of let go and and spend and have a little bit more risk and allow those around you to dream.
1: And I think that's a really good point, Daniel, that we can even apply to the other money personalities. We need to know when enough is enough. And we also have to talk to our spouse and both decide together when is enough enough. Mm -hmm. So when have we saved enough enough? When have we spent enough? When have we taken enough risks? And when do we have enough security?
0: So actually, probably most of you have already determined what your primary or your secondary money personalities are, because this last one is probably the most unusual one.
1: Yes, the last money personality is deemed the flyer. So flyers don't really think about money in a decision at all it just doesn't really come across as like oh finances it doesn't even really cross their mind
0: so they're a trust fund kid (laughs) they won the lottery
1: (laughs) i guess but even more so than that is that they're not anxious about money
0: oh interesting right it's not
1: they're not consumed by it
0: yeah they just
1: have absolutely no emotional response to money so whether that's because, you know, they have always had money or whether that's because they just really, you know, maybe their parents didn't put a lot of emphasis on money or it could just be that they're just very laissez faire mm-hmm. in their approach to life in some ways. So flyers are usually known as being pretty content with life and they're really not motivated by money. It doesn't really matter to a flyer how much money they have as long, and here's the point, as long as they are able to make their own decisions and choices, that is really what's making them content. Mm. It's not money. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's not the ability to control money. It's the fact that they want to make their own decisions and choices. Yeah, yeah. So flyers are also happy to let someone else take care of their finances because they're not consumed with it, right? So they're not worried about handling finances or knowing where they stand in terms of their financial security or maybe financial about to fall off.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Into debt. Yeah. So on the negative side, then uh, you can probably be seen as a hipster, right? I mean, that's kind of... (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, but I'm sure you're coming up with maybe people in your mind that are like this or or different biases and perceptions that you might have. And that's the thing, right? That's the thing. Just as you might have even emotionally or you've been laughing along with Christina's description because you're thinking about some stereotype. All of these money personalities have stereotypes, so you just need to know if you're a flyer that you may come across as being irresponsible that, that people might see you in that way because they're going to say hey you don't care for finances and and because you don't care about finances how can you be an adult and how ultimately you're lazy and you're irresponsible. But really the thing to understand about flyers is that they just genuinely don't think about money issues Uh, flyers can also actually be seen as reactionary too because they don't think about money and but but since money is a necessary part of life they have to eventually pay attention to bills right they have to eventually pay attention to retirement so they're often making decisions based on fear and not good advice because they're just not used to thinking planning or worrying about it
1: so if you're a flyer take a deep breath this is not the end of the world. Yes, There are not better money personalities than others. So let's wrap up this with an encouraging note. So if you're a flyer, you can definitely make a great spouse because you are probably more laissez fair about money issues. And thus, you aren't going to be so controlling or uptight about finances, which can be a great balance to perhaps a spouse who is. So the challenge for you is, is that you need to make sure that you stay involved and invested in the family financial picture, even if you don't really care about it.
0: Hmm. So which money personality is your primary? Which one is your secondary? I hope you take some time, share this episode with your spouse and talk about what your money personalities are. And here's, uh, here's just a piece of advice. Don't start by saying what you think your spouse's money personality is. Oh, isn't that always
1: the easier (laughs) thing to do? Point out the other person.
0: (laughs) Start with your own. Start with your own. So let's end this episode in this way. Christina, what is your primary money personality as you think through all five?
1: My primary one would probably be... Well, I think they're pretty close. I think my primary one would be Saver. Yes. You think so too? Do you think my primary one is Saver?
0: Well, not when you're buying a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> you do buy a lot of stuff. Okay. But here's the thing. I do, here's... but it's a good price. <sighs> yeah, yeah, Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So the reason I agree with your saver, what would you say your secondary one is? Spender. Yes, exactly. So that's totally how I would see it too. And the reason I'd say that is because, man, our Christmas shopping is done in like September. <laughs> And it's Christina is literally shopping all year around for the birthday presents, for birthday presents, for birthday parties, everything, Christmas. And we have a closet full of different toys and gifts and everything that Christina's just been, she's like, that's an amazing deal. Let's get that right it's now. my stockpile. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's why I would agree with you. You do spend, and there are moments where you will spend. But for example, you spent quite a bit of money on jeans. Right. But the jeans that you bought were great quality and it lasts it lasts what a few years
1: right exactly yeah, so. whereas for example let's talk about jeans where mm-hmm. you bought a bunch of cheaper pairs yes. and then they actually ran out yeah within the year yeah <laughs> so really in the end you're actually spending more money yes on the same item
0: yes yeah okay
1: yeah. so I also like to be right, apparently. <laughs> yes. That's a six-money uh, personality, being correct, being right. No, yes. it's not. I'm just that's kidding. A different, that's a, that's let's a just different Let's go back to the episode. Enneagram, maybe.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Okay, so Daniel, what do you think your primary one
0: is? Okay, so yeah, this is, this is interesting because I would say savor – i I thought saver was my secondary, okay, and I thought spender was my primary, so I thought that that we were kind of flipped that way, but the more we talked about this and the more we've journeyed through this, I actually think my primary is security seeker, and that my secondary is spender oh. because I love spending money yes yes you do it's but i but I won't often do it I won't often do it uh, unless the value of let's say, building into someone's life or going out with uh, a couple that we're trying to help through a different situation. And it's like, yeah, of course we'll have them over. Of course we'll buy them this. Of course we'll do that. And I, and I love spending. And even with the kids, it's like, yeah, let's go out. Let's do this. And, and I love creating those experiences. And, and yeah, when we go to the game, we'll buy whatever they want because it's an experience. But it's interesting. I don't actually approach everything that way. And I actually think that security seeker side Starts, and it's interesting. Even when I thought that, because I was like, "Am I more of a saver, or am I more of a security seeker?" But I, I definitely do lean more toward the security seeker side because, yeah, we have our RSps, we have the four hundred one ks, the RESPs with the kids, and you know, we have all these different investments and different ways that I am thinking. Okay, if we do this, then we'll be able to pay this off, and and then okay, we can pay that car off, and then have this ready for this later on. But it's just an interesting thing because not all that not the entire definition of security seeker fit me because of that secondary spender. Because I was like, I know when enough security is enough, right? I was like, let's go on a cruise.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you think of, that's a great point, Daniel, because if you were a security seeker and saver, yeah, let's right. say saver as your secondary, you would look really different than if your secondary is spender. Yeah, that's right. So I think that's great that, example that you were giving of make sure that you find your primary but also take the time even though it's not as easy to find your secondary money personality i think it'll be really helpful to get to know each other more
0: yeah and that's why listening to this together with your spouse talking about it together with your spouse is going to be a date night well invested talking about money right investments it really is it really is and sometimes you're gonna look through this and think through this and I would say come up with uh, your decision on what your primary and your secondary are and then hear just like Christina and I did what each other's feedbacks are because that your spouse is gonna know things and affirm or or kind of deny things that, that they're gonna see things that you don't see so that's why this is gonna be a great conversation for a date night but in the end remember remember that it's okay to be different It's okay to have different money personalities. It's okay to not be on the same page with the different money personalities. What's not okay is not talking about it. Right. Yeah.
1: And what's not okay as well is to lie about your finances to each other or to hide spending or to hide bad decisions or anything like that. Uh, We actually call this, and a lot of experts call this financial infidelity, where you're keeping secrets from your spouse, which never, ever, ever ends well.
0: Which actually reminds me of a super early podcast that we did episode 17 going
1: back into the (laughs) it.
0: money and marriage with art rainer so yeah if this is if this was kind of bang on for you right on the nail then go back listen to episode 17 because it's another it's a really great interview that we that we had with art rainer because he wrote books not just a book, but books for adults and also actually kid ones too around money. So definitely check that out.
1: Yeah, we'll put those in the show notes as well as we also did an interview about how to raise a money savvy kid mm-hmm. with Rachel Cruz, who is David Ramsey's daughter. So we'll put all those in the show notes, the links to the episodes at inbetween.org slash episode 79.
0: Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, remember, I know we're talking a lot about money, but it's not about the money. It's about your relationship with your spouse. It's about trust. It's about growing in respect and in your communication skills. So that does it for episode 79. That does it for almost the year. Not quite. We have one more episode. December 31st, New Year's Eve next week. Episode 80. Christina, what are we going to be talking about?
1: Well, we're going to be ringing in the new year with you and making a resolution to spend more time together. So on episode 80, we had the great privilege to interview Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi about how 15 minutes, yes, just 15 minutes a day, will help us stay in love and boost our emotional, spiritual, and physical connection.
0: And yes to the physical connection, (laughs) because it really did help. Yeah, we (laughs) did
1: try some of their um, suggestions, and in 15 minutes... Oh, or more.
0: Yeah. Fireworks went off <laughs> exactly. just like it's going to be tonight.
1: So there you go. <laughs> Happy New
0: Year. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you guys next week. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better
1: Samaritan.